0: What's up church? How we doing today? Man, so good to see y'all. Listen, that was like an AA plus type of response. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, So glad to have you guys with us. Merry Christmas. Also, all of you joining us online uh, throughout the world or on the podcast, Merry Christmas to you as well. Again, I don't know if you know this, but there's about 400 people every week that are part of our church somewhere else in the world uh, online. And so we know that you are just as much a part of what we do uh, here as as anything else. Um, So glad to have you with us. Really excited about... Today, really excited uh, because we're going to finish our uh, series. Really excited because uh, it's raining. And although in Florida, that's a bummer. You don't have to shovel rain. Uh, And many of us are from the Midwest. Uh, All my friends in the Midwest, just stop tuning in right now. Um, Also excited because tomorrow I get to see Star Wars and it's been a part of my life. Yeah. Uh, Fair warning. If you try to spoil it, I will cut you. So um, (laughs) and you think I'm kidding. Uh, So, um, but anyway, if you're new here, don't take some of what I say seriously, unless it's about Jesus or the Bible. But uh, we're so glad you're here. This is a church for everyone. No matter where you come from, what your story is, what your belief system is, we're all on a faith journey towards God together. Uh, Our only rule, as we say, is no perfect people allowed. So um, we're glad you're here. If you're here because somebody brought you, thanks for having our culture and our DNA. We wanna be a place that brings people, invites people uh, to Jesus. And so we've been talking for three weeks about the Christmas story. My, My hope for this series has been that you would have a greater understanding and appreciation for the real Christmas story, not the nativity scene, not the song not the movies, but what really happened. And so we've been taking a week and we've been looking at three major characters or key players in the Christmas story. Three kings, one a week, and we said every week would build on itself. Uh, And we're gonna round it out uh, today. So if you weren't here, you're new, or you had the longest week of your life, and maybe you forgot, I wanna just quickly recap where we've been because it's this week really kind of builds on what we've been through in the beginning. And so we've been taking a look at the world that Jesus was born into, because here at Cape Christian, we know that in order to better understand the words of the Bible, you really have to know the world of the Bible. If you don't understand the world of the Bible, the words make sense, and then you can actually know what the Bible means versus just make it say whatever you want it to say. So I want to tell you about the world of the Bible there and then for a minute. So we asked the question, in the world of the Bible, what was it like when Jesus was born? And so we, we said um, that the world was like it was Ruled by the Roman Empire, uh, ruled the world at the time of Jesus' birth. Uh, the Roman Empire was about 3,000 miles wide, all the way from Great Britain to India. Uh, and so there was a huge, there's a map, there's a huge empire. Uh, It was a massive, massive empire, Uh, and the way they did this is, see, it was, they were ruled by a series of Caesars, so Caesar was our first king, Uh, and the Caesars, they built this huge army, and they would go into regions, and they would massacre and slaughter, and they would enslave, and they would basically just take whatever they wanted, and in order to continue to take more land, they would have to build a bigger army, so they would just tax regular, everyday working people to the point of 80 to 90 percent taxation in those days, so that Caesar could have a bigger army to have a bigger empire for himself. Now, Caesar Augustus was the Caesar in power at the time of the birth of Jesus. And we talked about Caesar Augustus. And in 17 BC, uh, he inaugurated a birthday celebration, a 12-day celebration that he called the Advent celebration, because there was a star in the sky that shot into the heavens. And so he declared his cosmic hour had come. The parliament declared that he was God incarnate, that God, the son of Zeus, had come to be with them. And so they believed that the son of God came in the flesh to live among them. Crazy idea, I know. Uh, and, and this was gonna be his birthday celebration, uh, and he came to offer a universal reign of peace and prosperity, but the only problem was he murdered thousands and thousands of people for this peace and prosperity reign. Uh, what was said about him, nevertheless, was that there is no other name by which man can be saved than that of Caesar Augustus. That was the main kind of saying in those times. And the main slogan or propaganda in his reign was that Caesar is Lord. It was printed on all the coins. They minted it. And in fact, in a lot of of times in this empire, you had, in order to even trade or do business, you had to, or even worship, you had to declare that Caesar was Lord and his face and his, and that propaganda was on all of the money. Um, Now, In his birthday celebration, this end of the year Advent celebration, if you worshiped him and paid homage to him and brought him gifts, he was gonna offer some things to you. He was offering um, the removal of guilt from your mistakes. He was gonna offer salvation, peace, blessing, he was gonna offer you a fresh start, and he was gonna offer you freedom from fear. But if you crossed him, he would kill you. Don't forget that part. Um, But anyway, that's the universal reign. So that was Caesar. Then the next week, we moved to a different person. We talked about King Herod, because the question when you're a Caesar is, how do you rule for 3,000 miles? Well, what they would do is go into a region, take over, and then they would appoint a king to rule on their behalf in that region. And so in Israel, the land Jesus was born in, they found a man named Herod the Great, Uh, that you know from history. So Herod would rule on Caesar's behalf. And so they appointed Herod as king. Herod was a lavishly luxurious, huge builder. Still to this day, they believe one of the wealthiest people ever to live. Uh, Herod was half Jewish. He was a fierce warrior. He wiped out um, anybody who opposed him. He massacred thousands of people to take over Jerusalem. In fact, he was paranoid. He was a tyrant. He even killed some of his family that he thought was conspiring against him. but he also used a lot of Jewish tax money, Jewish money to build all kinds of things for Caesar. And a lot of it wasn't even in Israel. So he's taxing the backs of the everyday working people to build stuff to suck up to Caesar so he can stay in power and live a life of luxury. We talked about last week how he literally rebuilt the desert with waterways and mountains and palaces and all these things. And uh, basically it was so that he could live in a life of luxury to keep Caesar happy. And that was King Herod. So these are the surroundings, the surroundings. The world that Jesus was born into, that, that, that he came out of heaven into the world was one where the Roman Empire's in control. Caesar is God and Herod is king. And now we're gonna get to our third king. And I have been shocked at all the speculation of who it could possibly be. <laughs> I mean, you guys have like cornered me. Like, is it this guy? Is it this Babylonian prince? What about Persia? Like some of you have done more history research this week than you ever did in school because you're trying to guess who it is. And I, I hate to disappoint you with the blaringly obvious, um, but the world that Jesus was born into <laughs> was a world where Herod was king and Caesar was Lord But then Jesus was born. And so we're gonna talk the third king, a different kind of king, was this baby in this minority oppressed corner of the world named Jesus of Nazareth. So let's pray and we'll talk about this third king. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that I have grown up hearing this story uh, and reading it so many years, but every single time I do every single time I tell it, read it, hear it you you bring new revelation, new depth, new meaning and new understanding which for me has the just Uh, increase my appreciation and my awe for what this story means and what it did. And God, I'm so grateful that it's not just a story about there and then, but it has a huge significant impact on me here and now. And I pray that it would do that for everyone, that we would understand that this is not just an old history lesson, but that this has everything to do with how we live our life. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts Um, God, and uh, I just thank you that you care about the things that we care about, even if they're not as important as maybe the birth of Jesus. And so I'm just so thankful that 42 years ago, George Lucas had an idea, and it was Star Wars, and it's been a part of my life. God, I'm so excited to see it tomorrow, and I pray that you would protect anybody who tries to spoil it for me from harm. uh, In Jesus' name, amen. So speaking of Star Wars... uh, have you ever been so excited or anticipated or been a part of something uh, and you were, you were so just jacked up about it and you, you had to make it that you were so excited and then you went to experience it and it was a giant letdown? Like maybe you anticipated it or you spent a lot of money or you had all this anticipation or you spent all this energy and then you went and you're like, dude, for real, like that's it? Like for real? Now I'm really hoping that doesn't happen to me tomorrow in Star Wars. Um, and... Uh, But if you were a part of the Christmas story, this probably would have been a scenario. I I can think of a time when that happened to us. Um, uh, You know, this time of year is full of tree lighting, Christmas tree lighting, and there's all kinds of festivities. And so uh, when Madison was younger, we got invited to, or not invited, we got told about this Christmas tree lighting. It's like, it's amazing, it's really cool. You gotta go to this Christmas tree lighting. So we're like, We're going to do the Christmas tree lighting. It's about to be awesome. Like, we're pumped up. They're like, you got to get there early. So we went early. We got a good parking spot. We waited in line. We paid the money. Like, we were there. We're like, this is about to be awesome, this tree lighting. And I'm I'm like expecting, you know, Disney, you know, the projection on the castle, fireworks. I'm like, this is about to be amazing. And so all the volunteers are like, it's time, it's time. So they herd us into this area. And so there's this countdown. It's like, three, two, one. And they plug these lights into this like 15-foot tree, and half of them didn't work. And then this, like, choir sang, like, part of a song. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So, like, when's it about to happen? And like, that was awesome. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next year. I'm like, what? That's it? Like, I paid that money, waited in line, got a parking spot for, like, the Kirk Clark Griswold, like, moment, like, not to happen. <laughs> Listen, if you don't understand that reference, your parents didn't love you, okay? Um, <laughs> the ABC Family version, though, the ABC Family version. Um, And so it was like a tree that almost could fit in my house. Half the lights didn't work. And I'm like, yo, like, that's it. And now I have this problem because I built it up and I told my friends. And I'm like, so I either have to go tell them, like, yeah, I was a giant letdown, like, you shouldn't go. But instead, I was like, no, you're going to feel my pain. Next year, you need to go. You need to get there earlier. Like, it's amazing. You don't want to miss it. Uh, Because I don't want, if I'm in pain, I don't want to be alone. Um, Listen, if you were there at the time of the birth of Jesus, it would have been very much like this. In fact, What Part of what makes this story so amazing and so powerful are the circumstances around it. For the last two weeks, we've been talking about the world that Jesus was born into. Now I wanna talk about the circumstances around his birth because I think there's a lot that we miss and we lose on the appreciation of what was happening around it. But if you were there then, this story is so disappointingly and grossly underwhelming because today what is the most powerful and, 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 and what is definitely the most told story in the last 2,000 years was only experienced by a very small group of people in a very private way who basically mattered to nobody at the time. So to help you understand the story, I wanna back up and kinda help you understand the key players because there's some key players you've maybe heard of, but then there's some key players or maybe you're new to this whole journey. I want you to know the story. And so the setting around it goes like this. Thousands of years ago, God had decided that there was this tribe, this group of people that were gonna be his kind of his special people. And through them, he was gonna bless them and they were gonna be a light to the world. And that was through this guy named Abraham. Well, Abraham had a grandson named Jacob, and Jacob had all these sons, 12 sons, that became tribes. Jacob's name got changed to Israel, the nation we know today, and those tribes became the nation of Israel. And so there was this promise that he was going to give them a land, and they were going to rule and reign, and it was going to be true peace and prosperity, but not just that they were his favorite, but that they were going to act like God to other people and bless all the nations through them. Well, this King David came hundreds of years later and established his kingdom, and he's known as the greatest king of Israel, um, but... Like a lot of us, I think they didn't handle their success and their prosperity well. They used it for themselves versus others. And so this kingdom ends up getting taken over. They find themselves in slavery to the Babylonians, to the Persians, the Romans, over hundreds and hundreds of years. So for hundreds of years, there have been this just oppression. We're like, we are not living the way we're meant to live. There's brokenness, there's oppression, there's slavery, there's taxation, it's terrible. But over those years, God would send prophet after prophet after prophet. A prophet, if you don't know that word, is just a messenger of God. And they had these very specific predictions that a savior called Messiah was gonna come and he was gonna fix everything that was broken in the world in the past, present, and future. And so some of the predictions were that he was gonna be born of a virgin, which like that happens ever. Um, he was gonna come from Bethlehem, this tiny little town. He was also gonna be of the lineage of David. And so you have, and that's just a few of many predictions. And so even though there's these terrible surroundings around, going on in their world, there's these whispers and these hopes. They're holding on to this hope that one day, Savior Messiah is gonna come and reestablish the kingdom. But what they expected was a kingdom like what they experienced, a kingdom where he would reign on a throne, there would be political power, economical power, military power. And so this is what is going on on underneath the surface and they're just waiting for Messiah and the prophets have been silent and they're oppressed and it's terrible and it's like man what is the deal and then we decide then we have the picture of the Christmas story where God decides now is the time I'm going to send myself my son into the world and so I want you to understand what's going on because I think if you put yourself in the story you'll have a much greater appreciation and again I hope you will never see this story the same ever again so I wanna introduce you to two of the key players that maybe you're not as familiar with, and their, their names are Elizabeth and Zachariah. So with everything I just told you, here's where the Christmas story starts. There's this couple named Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're really old, they wanted to have kids, but for whatever reason they couldn't have kids, infertility, super bummer, there was shame involved in that time and culture. Well, they're old in years and an angel Gabriel, Gabriel was an angel like a messenger of God, shows up to Elizabeth and he says, guess what, I have great news for you, you found favor with God, you are going to get a child. What, we're gonna get a child? Yeah, I'm not even done yet. You're gonna have a son, You're gonna name him John. He's gonna be John the Baptist and he's going to be the one who is the contemporary of the Messiah. He's gonna announce the coming. He's gonna pave the way. He's going to be the messenger that Messiah has come. What? I'm gonna have a baby. Not only am I going to have a baby, but it's going to be a boy, which was significant in that culture. Not only is it going to be a boy, but he's going to announce the Messiah, and he's going to be the one. And Messiah's coming, and he's the one. And oh my gosh, like I can't believe this. And so if you're Elizabeth, what's the first thing you do? you're doing? Like I got to tell my late, my old husband. He's like, Hey, Zachariah, guess what? The angel Gabriel just came and told me like we're going to get pregnant. And we're going to have a boy, and he's going to be the one who brings Messiah. Can you believe it? And Zachariah's like, His reaction to all this is like, There's no way that's happening. I don't believe it. <laughs> For real, that's his, his, his response. So he's like, we're old, this doesn't work, we've tried, we're past that, that ship has sailed, biology, like ain't happening, Messiah, like have you seen Caesar, have you seen Rome, have you seen the taxation? Yeah, right, so angel shows up to Zachariah It says, hey, guess what? Your wife's gonna have a baby. He's gonna be named John and he's gonna be the contemporary of Jesus and pave the way. But because you didn't have enough faith to think that God could do big things even in the middle of hard times and you didn't believe God and you didn't believe your wife, guess what? You don't get to say a word until the baby is born. Now, some of you wives and moms right now are going, how do I get in on that? (laughs) Like you weren't listening until right now. You're like, pastor, I just caught that last part. Run that back. What happened? (laughs) Like he didn't say a word for nine months. Can you tell me that scripture reference? (laughs) So for real, he's like, he can't talk, he can't talk. Again, God's not trying to punish him, but he's trying to teach him a lesson. So this is happening. Meanwhile, Elizabeth has this young cousin, her name is Mary. Mary's engaged to be married to this dude named Joseph. Now some of you are going, I have this nativity scene my grandma gave me and I think those people are in it. Yes, those are the ones. (laughs) So Mary's engaged, but they're not married, so they're not doing the thing. And, and so this same angel, like this must've been a power family because the same angel visits cousin Mary and says, hey, guess what? You have found favor with God. God has saw that this is the perfect time to send Jesus. He's gonna send his son to the earth and you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. But it's not gonna be through Joseph. It's not gonna be through any man. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is gonna come on you and you are gonna give birth to Messiah. And Mary's like, oh my gosh. My old cousin is pregnant, he's gonna pave the way, and now I have Messiah. This is just, and it says she pondered these things in her heart and she broke out in song. So this is the situation around Jesus. And again, we read the words like, ah, whatever. So I imagine for a second being in this for a second. Imagine being Joseph. Imagine for a minute, Mary and Joseph has just been at the family gathering, which they had all the time. They had festivals and parties. And so they're hanging out and Zachariah and Elizabeth are there and yada, 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 and it's over and it's Thanksgiving's over and you're all like food coma and then they're headed home and they're on the donkey by themselves. And, and I mean, I picture the conversation going something like this. Joseph's going, gosh, Mary, can I just say, your family's amazing. Like I... I just can't wait to be a part of your family. Like your mom and your dad, they just seem to love me. They've taken me in like a son. Your, your cousins are amazing. Like, I just love your family. Like, I can't wait to start a legacy and be a part of this lineage. Like, gosh, I'm just so blessed that we're together. I'm so glad that God put us together. And, and, and listen, I don't, I don't wanna sound insensitive. I don't wanna, uh, I, I, maybe it's too touchy, but um, I couldn't help but notice like, what's up with Zachariah? Like usually he's all chatty and he's got stories and jokes and all whatever, but he just didn't say anything for like three days. Like, he, he, like a couple of times I felt like he made a peep, but like, like I, I, it was just really weird. And maybe it's too soon, I don't know. But like, what's the deal with Zachariah? It's like Mary's like, okay, so glad you asked. So get this. <laughs> Angel Gabriel comes and visits Elizabeth, says she's gonna get pregnant with the one who is going to be the one who announces the way of Messiah. Whoa, 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 you're telling me Elizabeth is like pregnant in their old age? I thought they couldn't have kids. Yeah, apparently like God's gonna do a miracle. That's amazing. Yeah, not only are they pregnant, but it's gonna be the one who announces that Messiah is here. Whoa, are you telling me Messiah is here? Yeah, more about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but she's pregnant. She's pregnant. He's gonna announce the way of Messiah. And and now Zechariah, what she was telling him is Zechariah didn't believe him. He didn't have the faith to believe that God can do big miraculous things even when it looks like against all odds. And so the angel's like, well, because of that, you don't get to talk until the baby is born. (sighs) Well, that's heavy. Wow, so she's gonna have a baby and he's gonna announce Messiah. And he can't talk because he didn't believe. Wow, you know, Mary... What a story, what a lesson, gosh, you know what? I just hope that we are always the types of people that when we get married, that our faith would be that, that God could say anything to us. Like, it didn't matter how crazy it sounds. Like, I I, I just wanna be the type of family that we believe God for the biggest things, that it could be crazy and it wouldn't make sense, and that we would also just have this faith. What a lesson that is. I just really hope we learn from that. Yeah, so, so happy to hear you say that. Because same angel visited me. And I've tried to rehearse this in my head and I don't really know how to say the next part, but I'm pregnant, but you know it's not yours. It's also not anybody else's on earth, but God came and visited me and I'm gonna give birth to Messiah because the Holy Spirit, and yeah, like I'm pregnant. So we're gonna be parents. Well, not, well, like, we're gonna, we're gonna be, have this child, but we're gonna raise him like, yeah. I mean, if you're Joseph, you're just like, I'm gonna need a minute. I'm just gonna need a minute. So you So we never been together, and you're telling me you're pregnant, but you never did anything with any other guy either, because you're a virgin. But God came to you, and now you're going to give birth to Messiah? Now, listen, I, I don't know about all that, but I almost think Zechariah had to happen first. Fellas, you, you feel me on this, because I, I imagine going like, so listen, so you're gonna be the only woman to ever give birth to somebody, you, virgin and God and the prophecy and David and Beth, okay. Listen, I don't know about all that, but I was in the room with Zechariah and that fool didn't talk for three days and I ain't going down like that, so whatever, cool. Like, <laughs> cool. Whatever. Let's have Messiah. Let's have the Savior. <laughs> actually, if you read the story in the Bible, it says he planned to divorce her quietly first. He was like, he just wanted, because there would have been so much shame associated with it. He was going to divorce her quietly, but then the same angel actually eventually comes and visits Joseph and says, hey, um, that story Mary told you, super true. Um, I'm the dad, but you're the dad, and you're gonna raise raise him and he's gonna be the Messiah. And so we've chosen you guys to be the parents of Jesus. So this is the scenario around the Christmas story. And I believe it has all kinds of implications and impact for us. So here's fast forward nine months. So now she's nine months pregnant about time to have the baby. But remember, Caesar wants to know how big his empire is and wants to make sure that he gets his taxes. So every year they would have to go back to their hometown where their lineage was and register for a census and pay their taxes. This happens to conveniently happen when Mary is about nine months pregnant. And we're not talking first class and Marriott and Hyatt and you know, Hotel you know, Hilton and, and, and minivans. We're talking a donkey, no roads, and like she's nine months pregnant and they have to travel and they come to Bethlehem so Caesar can know how big his empire is and doesn't care what it costs and he wants his taxes. And this is the situation around which Jesus is born. And so they're in Bethlehem registering and Luke chapter two, where we started last week, we're gonna pick up where we left off last week. Verse six says this, while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. Now that is just so nice and sweet and poetic. The time came for the baby to be born. I don't know if you've ever been in a delivery room when a child was born. I was there when Madison was born. Like never in, there was never a moment where I went, this is the story I'm gonna tell. The time had come for the baby to be born. No, 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 no. You have this thing in you that you need out and there's pain and there's screaming and there's, back then there's no epidurals and you're like, you did this to me, you know? Actually, she couldn't say that to Joseph. So I don't know like how that, like what. Um, He's like, listen, I didn't even do this and I'm here. Talk about commitment, what? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm in it to win it and he ain't even mine. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) Do you see the fascinating parts of this story when you put yourself in, and so it says the time came for, but nonetheless, the time came for the baby to be born. Verse seven, and says, she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is unbelievably fascinating to me. Jesus was born in the most inconvenient, messy situation possible. If you don't Know what this means. A manger is basically a feeding trough where they put spoiled food and grain for animals to eat. So Bethlehem is so packed. She's so pregnant. They can't find a guest room. They can't find a hotel room. In fact, they couldn't even find a distant relative that would let them sleep on the couch or stay in the kitchen floor or whatever. There's literally nowhere for them to stay. There's nowhere for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God. God had in His divine providence, perfect plan, thought it won't be a palace. It won't be a general. It won't be this pomp and circumstance, it's going to be a time at inconvenience and oppression, and it's gonna be this mess, and Mary's gonna give birth. And again, there were no epidurals. There were no doctors and nurses. You're talking sheep and cows and poop and mess and pain. And this is the situation that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was born into. He was literally born into a mess. And if you don't think God could have chosen a different situation for his son to be born, you need to rethink how big you think God is. Because could he or could he not, God could have decided that he was just gonna parachute his son in at age 30, walk out of the desert, like part Wonder Woman, part Avenger, whatever, and be like, I'm here, get in line, you know, heal some sick, raise some people from the dead, cast out some demons, preach a good message or two, like, let's get this crossing over with. Y'all are broken, y'all a little bit annoying. I wanna do this as soon as possible. Like, he could have done that, right? But he didn't. God chose in his infinite wisdom that he was gonna come, be born into this mess, this un- inconvenient circumstance, and he was gonna come invulnerable as a baby where things could happen beyond the baby's control. In fact, as soon as Herod finds out, he says, I wanna kill all the two-year-old boys and under because if there's a threat to my kingdom and my, 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 uh, my throne, I wanna wipe it out. Jesus came in vulnerable. Why? I believe it's so important. And this is to me what I think sometimes is missed in the Christmas story. He came in and he didn't just come in as God and Zeus and whatever and with the lightning and thunder and, you know, all this stuff and came from the dead. No, no, no. He lived 30 years. He was born into the slavery side of humanity. He was born oppressed, he was born in a barn, laid in a feeding trough, there was nobody there. His mom wasn't married to his dad. I believe he came because God wanted the message to be from the minute he came into this earth, he wanted us to know that everything that we would ever experience, he also experienced. That you do not have a distant God who is a distant king who can't connect to or relate or understand, but he knows what it's like, He knows what it's like to feel like you're born into the wrong family at the wrong time, on the wrong side of the tracks, on the wrong wrong economic side, on the wrong military side, on the wrong political side. He understands what it's like to grow up in that and still accomplish the mission of God. In fact, one of the New Testament writers says it this way. He says, we don't have a, a high priest or a savior who can't connect and relate to us, but everything we went through and everything we've been tempted with and every experience we had, we have experienced. I believe that the beauty of the Christmas message is right here in the fact that he was born in a feeding trough and there was no... Room. Why? He intentionally came into a mess because I believe he wanted everyone to know that ever told this story, and I think it gets missed, that God is not afraid or intimidated to intentionally come into a mess. In fact, he wanted everybody who would ever know the story that he's not looking for you to clean up your mess before he comes into your life. He's, God is not looking for you to clean up your life and then come into it. He plunged himself into oppression, into a single mom, not married, into a barn, into cows and crap and all kinds of stuff. Why? because he didn't ever want there to be this idea that I have to do a bunch of stuff and clean myself up and get right and be right and act right, and then maybe, just maybe, then God would come into my life. No, he came into a mess because he wants everybody to know I am the one who came to solve and fix all this broken stuff for humanity once and for all. I came to make a way where nothing on this world can make a way, there's no external thing, there's no amount of money, no amount of power, no amount of military, no amount of crown, no amount of kingdom that can ever solve for you this guilt problem, this salvation problem, this hope problem, this peace problem, all this fake problem, A fake peace and fake promise of fake joy and blessing. No, I actually came to bring it and I don't need you to clean it up and I'm not gonna be a million miles away. I came to walk among you and talk among you and I'm gonna sit with sinners and I'm gonna sit with tax collectors and I'm gonna touch sick people and I will always be among the people because that's the kind of God I am. That's the message of Christmas. Some of us are waiting to clean up our life and then give God a chance, but it's backwards. It's opposite, in fact. You don't get sick and then wait till you get healed and then go to the doctor. You don't have a pipe burst and flood your house and go, we gotta clean up this flood and fix the pipes and now we'll call the plumber. But some of us, we do that with God and we, because we are ashamed or embarrassed or annoyed or mad at ourselves for the mistakes and the insanity that we keep inviting into our own life. And we just assume that God is the same way, but God couldn't be more different. He is so committed to the long haul. In fact, one of the beautiful things about a baby being born is as soon as that baby comes in, it's not like, oh, that was a cute moment. No, 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 like you're committed to this long-term relationship. For better or worse, long haul. Like that's how it's supposed to be. And I believe God came as a baby so he would be able to communicate to us. Well, I am committed to you for the long haul. I'll come into the mess. I'll come into the brokenness. I don't need you to clean or fix your life up for me to come into it. And I wonder how many of us, we're just sitting there going like, ah, oh, uh, even sometimes coming to church is hard because I feel so guilty. That's the stuff Jesus came to take care of. You don't have to put on a front and pretend you're perfect. In fact, you bring your junk to him because he's the only one that can clean it up. This is Christmas. He's all in on loving and restoring and redeeming everything that's broken and just being with you. Not only did he come as a baby, there's two things that I think are important. He came as a baby because he came into a mess, but he also came as a different kind of king. He was a different kind of king than Caesar, a different kind of king than Herod. He was a different kind of king who had a very different kind of crown. These guys used their power to lord it and oppress. He used his power to voluntarily sacrifice and love and serve and give and associate with the unassociable and love the unlovable and, and include the unincludable. And then he offered his life as a sacrifice. Why? So that he could pay the price for every wrong thing that you would ever do because he came to make a way where no one else could make a way, where no other solution was even an option. He wore a different kind of crown because he was a different kind of king. He died on a cross defeated death, rose again and went to heaven so he could sit as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. I came to love. I came to give. He's not a distant king. He walked among the people. He's a personal God who wants to touch the areas that need fixed, who wants to associate with the people who feel like their life is too much of a mess to be associated with. It's why he came. It's the most crazy paradox, and it's the beauty of the Christmas story to me. This is one of the favorite messages I've ever preached, because I don't think I've ever fully appreciated it this way. That the crown of all heaven, the most royal being in all the universe, came and gave himself as the gift to us. Now, if you think about this, Christmas is about celebrating the birth of Christ, right? In every celebration, there's always an honored guest, is there not? whether it's a birthday party or a graduation or a bar mitzvah or a retirement party, there's a celebration, there's a gathering, and it always points to a guest who is the guest of honor, correct? A wedding, a best man speech, right? Christmas is that. This Christmas is the idea of a guest, but the difference is the gift is Jesus and the guest is you. This whole thing points to Jesus coming from heaven to give himself as a gift so that you could be the honored guest. How much value does that place on us? He didn't come to be served, but to serve. He came to sacrifice his life. Why? He's the gift. You're the guest of honor in this history story, where if you receive him and make room, he points to the value that you have. It's unbelievable. And that's who you you are to the Heavenly Father. And that's what the first Christmas was. You're the honored gift. The birth of Christ was the Heavenly Father's toast and special moment of all eternity and all time to give the special gift in front of the angels and all the earth. The Christmas story is him going, here's to Kim. Here's to Cory. Here's to Markel. Here's to Enrique. Here's to Jim. Here's to Scott. Jesus coming from heaven to earth is like, here's my toast. And I don't want you to think you have to pay me and you have to pay homage to me. I'm gonna sacrifice, I'm gonna be the gift and you get to have life for all mankind if you would just allow me to be God with us. It's kind of like a birthday if you think about it. Every year your birthday comes around, right? If you notice that, every year, same time, it always happens. And they throw this party and they celebrate you and you get gifts, but think about it. You didn't do nothing. Think about what you're celebrating. You just got born. Your mom should get all the gifts. She did all the work. She carried you, she birthed you. Your dad contributed for like a hot minute and that's it. You know what I mean? Like. But yet every year, we don't celebrate dad. We don't celebrate mom. Like, wow, you carried me and you stayed healthy and you didn't say yes to a bunch of things. And now I'm healthy and I'm born. No, we celebrate you. Why? Because even though somebody else did all the work, you get celebrated. That's what Christmas is. Even though Jesus did all the work, it's all about you. Sometimes we say, it's not about you. It's not about you. And I get it. I've taught that. There's a principle there. But really, Christmas is all about you. Christmas is the king of kings, the the creator of the universe coming to earth, sacrificing, living, giving, and doing it all right because you couldn't do it. He made a way where no one else could. It's the most beautiful story. And he did it at at the pinnacle of Caesar and Herod. But see, Caesar as Lord used his power to oppress people. But Jesus as Lord used his power to free people. Herod as king used his power to slaughter and steal and get ahead and live comfortably. But Jesus' king brought healing and sacrificed himself for others so that they could experience real eternal life. What Caesar offered, Jesus actually provided. What Herod claimed to be, Jesus actually was. He was the real king of kings, the real Lord of lords, and he is the gift that makes you the guest of honor. And if that's not worth celebrating and worshiping, I don't know what is. (laughs) Christmas. He came as the gift so you could be the guest of honor. He came into a mess because he didn't want you to ever think you had to clean your life up and then come to him. I wonder how many of us, we need to make a way and go, man, if this is the story, I need to make room in my life for God. Jesus is not waiting for you to clean your mess up. You can come to him. That's the message of Christmas. That's why we get excited. It's why we give gifts. And yes, it's been, there's trees and there's holidays and whatever, but you know what God's interested in? He's interested in what's in your heart. And if your heart is pointing towards, you were the gift, I was the guest. And, and if you look at the story, the story ends, whether it was the shepherds or the wise men, everybody who saw it and heard it, they all had the same response. You know what it was? To worship Him. It was to go. Wow! I couldn't be more in awe of what this means. So, what does this mean for us here and now? That God wants to come into your life, no matter how messy it is. He wants to be a different kind of king. He wants to be a personal God. He came to be with you. He was there. He is there, and He will be there. There's nothing you're going through that He hasn't also experienced, and He hasn't. He gets you. He feels you. He's jiving with you, and you can bring it to Him, and He's the only one that can make a way. Some of you have looked at all the things the world has to offer: relationships, money, power, prestige. And there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But if it's meant to help you find identity, or help you find satisfaction, or joy, or peace, you're always going to be let down until you make way and room in your heart for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I wonder if to end this Christmas series as we go into the holiday, if we couldn't join history, join the angels, join the choir and worship God for the awe and the power of what this story means for us here and now. So if you're able, could you just stand to your feet and let's praise the one who came and made a way when no one else could.
1: In the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, let's, a, let's sing it together. We make a miracle work, a promise, keep light. In the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
0: Is there somebody here who's excited he came to make a way? Is there anybody here who thinks he's worthy of praise? Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you for making a way. We thank you for coming into the mess to live among us that we don't have a distant God and a distant King but you are a different kind of king, a personal God in a different kind of kingdom, and your kingdom reigns forever, and you invite all of us who would allow you to have space in our life and space in our heart. You allow us to follow you in spite of ourselves, in spite of our dysfunction, in spite of our past. God, I pray that the weight and the gravity and the appreciation and the awe of this would not be lost on us this Christmas. God, I thank you for making a way in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're here and you need prayer, We have a prayer team in the prayer room. And remember, next week, we are bringing church to you at your house. So we'll see you for Church Online at your place.